are here for a reason. This, 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 this news just in. Go, go, go. We are your news now. <laughs> right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. <laughs> Get the news. <laughs> You're listening to Right On Radio. You, you are here. Your word is good. It's ever faithful. Worth more than gold, the heart's delight. Your word gives life to all who hear and obey. The word endures forever. Your word is true, it never changes. It forms the earth, sustains its still. Your word defends, providing refuge and strength. Your word endures forever. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Your word is a light unto my heart. For your word is my hope. It's my joy and my song, your word endures forever. Your word transforms, it lifts the humble, rebukes the proud, protects the poor. Your word discerns the mind and spirit of all. Your word endures forever. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Your word is a light unto my heart. For your word is my hope, it's my joy and my song. Your word endures forever. Just letters and pages It's life and it's love And it's freedom for us Your word is more than just wisdom of ages It's treasures are endless It's always enough Your word is more than just stories of old It's the truth Your son as a man come to dwell here with us. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Your word is a light unto my heart. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. 
Well, good morning to you. Thank you for being here. Welcome to the Sunday show. This is the show that I really look forward to every uh, every week. This is my favorite to do. Them really is a joy. However, this particular Sunday is uh, going to be much different than previous Sundays. Uh, as you know, I tend to follow a bit of a pattern where I read God's word and I just keep within that particular chapter because I believe that a lot of the letters were standalone. And if I was to preach a sermon, I'd probably go all over the Bible to prove a point. But one of the things I like to do is just make the word stand on its own and focus on it. Um, Today is going to be a little bit different, and I'm not going to be doing Bible gymnastics, uh, but I really believe the Lord has a word for us. So let me just start with prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I lift up your name, Father God. You are beyond measure. There's no words in our language to describe your greatness, your goodness, your godliness. And Father, I thank you that you have not left us stranded, but you still speak to your people. And Father God, I thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit, which is fully God, to not only live in me, but to live in many of us that are here. And Father, all these vessels are sinful and shameful in many ways. It cannot change your spirit, and it cannot change your love for us. For God, you are unchangeable. Your promises are faithful and true in our lives. Your ways are above our ways, and your ways do not change. Lord, through the ages, you may have dealt with your people in different ways and even given us different covenants, Father God. But you are true to yourself and you are true to your word. And I say, hallelujah, holy, holy, holy is your name. Father God, as the word goes out today, I pray that they are your words And that anything that comes out of my flesh is kept at bay. Father God, I pray the Holy Spirit has my full permission. I submit fully to your spirit, God, that you may speak through me. And if anything is not from me, God, I pray it falls off of the ears that hear this message. Lord, your message is to edify the body, to build us up, to give us strength, to tell us where you're going, to tell us how to prepare. And Father God, I honor you and I honor your word. I take this with absolute seriousness, Lord, the responsibility of reading your word publicly commenting on it publicly 
And I thank you for all of those you've brought together to be knitted together in this community. Lord, I pray for each and every one that is with us, that you strengthen us, Lord. You build us up. You prepare us, protect us as we go forth boldly into the world, proclaiming your greatness. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I pray in Yahuwah's name, Jesus, the Son of God who died for us, rose again and is seated at your right hand, who covers all of our sins. The Father does not even see our sins because of Jesus. And Jesus has made a way for us to communicate directly to you, the creator of the universe. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. Amen. Well, uh, before I get into the word, I just have a quick announcement. As you know, we do the Singapore prayer celebration every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. So this Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. on Telegram. These times are Eastern Standard Times. If for those of you who don't know what that is, that's where New York is, New York City time, okay? Um, so 7.30 Wednesday on Telegram, you will find Sing and Poor Prayer Celebration. We also do it every Saturday night, and usually it is on Telegram. Going to try something new. I've kind of felt led to do this for a little while, and I don't know, it could be a great thing. It could be a terrible failure. Yeah, it won't be a failure because we're praying to the Lord and he's going to honor us. But um, what we are going to do this Saturday coming up, that's the 25th of March, Eastern Standard Time, 8 p.m. We are going to do Singapore prayer celebration live on Podbean. So where I do a lot of my broadcasts, but we're going to do it live on Podbean. And really what was put on my heart and why we're going to do it, it's more of a public declaration of not only our belief in praying to the sovereign God, but Lord, to demonstrate the power of prayer in the spirit and to not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So we're going to do it as a public declaration. Now, we're going to probably, and I say probably as we haven't attempted this yet, but it seems fairly simple, we will probably mirror the prayer celebration on to Telegram for those of you who just can't get onto Podbean for some reason. Uh, if you're on Telegram, however, you will not be able to interact with the prayer. If And we urge you to, if you don't have the Podbean app, just download it from the Play Store on your phone 
and it does ask you for an email and a password. That email does not put you on any list to get mailed or anything like that. It is really just so you have an identifier um, when you show up publicly anywhere. And it, it doesn't give me your email, doesn't give anyone your email. I want you to know that. It's just, it's an identifier. And when you have the Podbean app, just like in Telegram, in Telegram, you press a button to raise your hand and then you get unmuted and you come and you're allowed to speak. On Podbean, it works the same way, but it will be to call in. Uh, so calling in is like raising your hand. I let you into the, the studio and then you can speak. Um just like Telegram, when you're not speaking, we're going to ask that you keep your mic muted just so there's not noise going on. And it's very important to let you know that this prayer will not be recorded. I am not going to publish it as an episode or anything like that. It is within the sanctity of that prayer and whoever is on there. So it's no different from Telegram in that way. So, uh, but it's just, I think it's more of a public declaration. So I pray that you will join in on the prayer on Saturday night, uh, the 25th on Podbean. We'll be announcing it all week. Um, So today's message is a bit unusual uh, for this show. If you'll remember from last Sunday, and I know a lot happens in a week, but from last Sunday when I announced we're moving on to a new book because we finished the book of Ephesians, I said, I'm confident we will be in the New Testament. And I really, really believed that. And then through a series of events this week, the Lord has brought me into a few, uh, into a different book, and it's in the Old Testament. Um, but not only that, but talk about something in the Old Testament, but from the New Testament. And from Friday, first of all, I'll just, well, it, it happened even before then, but I was reminded and on Friday, when I was praying, the Lord kept saying to me, who is Melchizedek? <laughs> and I've been down this road with Melchizedek before. <laughs> oh, no, Lord. Don't have me teach on Melchizedek, because there is no conclusive answer. There's a whole bunch of theories but from everywhere that I have found in the Bible, there is no conclusive evidence of Melchizedek. Was he a pre-incarnate Jesus? Some people think he was an angel. Um, in the Old Testament, uh, you were not you were not allowed to be a king and a priest. He was a king and a priest. Um. And really, there's not a lot of information. You know, it's uh, Melchizedek is in Genesis chapter 14, Psalm 110, and in the book of Hebrews. Really, that's it. And then 
as I was struggling with this and I was, I spent hours on it. Oh Lord, what are you trying to show? The Lord then led me to the book of Malachi. And it is both Melchizedek and Malachi that I'm going to speak on today. And I believe the Lord has a word for you and me through these scriptures. Now, going back to, but we're going to be in the New Testament. Just about an hour ago, I felt the Lord saying to me that we are we can look at this as through the frame through the lens of the new covenant. So we live in the new covenant under grace. And as we hear these words, and a lot of it is prophetic. And a lot of it is dually prophetic where it is for that time, but also for the future, our time. I also want to point out to you that the book of Malachi is the very last book of the Old Testament. And then after the book of Malachi, there was a time when God did not speak. Most say it was about 400 years. And then we have the New Testament. We have the birth of Jesus. Well, John the Baptist, then Jesus. And all of this is spoken of in this book. It's quite amazing. So let me start off with Melchizedek. And I'm just going to be reading a little bit from the book of Hebrews chapter 7. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham, and he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham apportioned a tenth of all the spoils, was first of all, by the translation of his name, King of Righteousness, and then also King of Salem, which is King of Peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, <coughs> he remains a priest perpetually. So Melchizedek was a king and a priest. He was the king of Jerusalem, well, Salem, which is now Jerusalem. And he remains a priest perpetually. Well, before Jesus, Melchizedek is the only one in the Bible 
who was both a king and a priest. Then the second one who became a king and a priest was when Jesus came as a man. He was, because he's still the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, even though he walked as a man and walked humbly on this earth. Jesus is a king and a priest. And now, because of Jesus, you and I, who are in covenant with God, are kings and priests as well. So that will lay the foundation for Malachi. And to this moment, I'm struggling between, do I just read the entire book of Malachi to you and make a couple comments, or do we break it down and study? I'm just going to go as the Lord leads. Uh, please pray. But these words, I believe, are for us and at this time. God's timing is absolutely perfect. The pronouncement of the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. Uh, side note, Malachi, his name means messenger. He's a messenger of the Lord. Verse 2. So the Lord is speaking here. And it's what's unique about this actually is it's almost like a question and answer prophecy. It's really, really unique. Um, verse 2. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? Was Esau not Jacob's brother, declares the Lord. Yet I have loved Jacob, but I have hated Esau. And I have made his mountains a desolation and given his inheritance to the jackals of the wilderness. Jacob and Esau. Wow. The Middle East is still fighting about it. Much of the world is fighting about Jacob and Esau still. But I want to look at it through the frame lens of the new covenant. God does not will anyone to go to hell. He did not will Esau to be hated by God. And by the way, God hates sin. But he did not will Esau to be hated, to be a burnt offering. 
but God is the beginning and the end. God knew before he was born what Esau would do. This is a concept that we struggle with because we live in a world and time is our greatest asset. Time is really a man-made measurement, but yet we are subject to time. Our bodies will decay. We will eventually die within 120 years. There is a measure that is allowed for us in the flesh. God does not fall under that. And when man fell in the garden, by God's will, and God did not will us to sin, God hates sin, but it was God's will that we be like him and have free will. Now, God knew Jacob and God knew Esau, and he knew that Esau would fail. You and I do not have the ability to judge a person in the way that God does. You and I can only pray for people, and who knows that in their last breath, they may choose God, or even if they can't speak, they may choose God and God hears them. We do not know. But he made his mountains a desolation. He tore it down. And he has given his inheritance to the jackals of the wilderness. Though Edom says, verse 4, we have been beaten down, but we will return and build up the ruins. This is what the Lord of Armies says. I know a lot of your versions will say the Lord of Hosts in the Amplified, or sorry, in the New American Standard, it says armies. And I really think that armies is more appropriate in this context. When we look at modern language and we think of a host, well, we could think of the heavenly host, of course, the El Elohim. But we could also think of just someone who's hosting people. But when it's presented as armies, the Lord of armies, there's just naturally more power behind it. And it's his armies in heaven, the El Elohim. That's really what's being referred to here. But an army is subject to the ranks. And who's at the top of the ranks? It's God. So to those obedient to God. So... This is what the Lord of Armies says. They may build, but I will tear it down. And people will call them the territory of wickedness. 
and the people with whom the Lord is indignant forever, and your eyes will see this, and you will say, the Lord be exalted beyond the border of Israel. Verse 6, a son honors his father, and a servant his master. Then if I am father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my respect, says the Lord of armies to you? The priests who despise my name. priests that despise his name. These are priests. The only thing I can think about it, and, you know, I'm just going back to, you know, a lot of what I've been reading and a lot of the people I've been researching who are in the so-called ministry. It dawned on me as I was reading this, you know, some of these ministries are just businesses. They didn't go into it for the love of God, or maybe they did and their heart was changed because they wanted to serve mammon. I don't know. But how could a priest despise his name? Perhaps it's those ones that belong to secret societies who have taken the priesthood for a different reason. And by the way, just a reminder, he's talking to the priests here. Be sure that you are also a priest. But you say... How have we despised your name? You are presenting defiled food upon my altar. Lord answers, your offerings are not good. And in the new covenant, what do we offer? We offer our time. We offer our lifestyle. It's a lot of things that we offer. Are we offering it defiled to the Lord? In that you say, the table of the Lord is to be despised. The Lord is taking serious offense here. And when you present a blind animal for sacrifice, is it not evil? So offer it to your governor. This is so telling. And it just speaks to our prideful nature. You know, God is invisible. Our offering doesn't have to be, you know. But when I go stand in front of the governor or someone important in my life, I want to make sure that it's just right. 
But God, he's forgiveness. We're in the covenant of grace. You're going to find out later in this book that it's the same God yesterday as today. So he really holds them. So go offer it to your governor. Of course, the governor would reject them and probably throw them in jail or worse. The Lord goes on to say about the governor, would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly? Says the Lord of armies. But now, do you indeed plead for God's favor? So that he will be gracious to us? With such an offering on your part, will he receive it? Receive any of you kindly? Says the Lord of armies. Again, through the New Testament lens, what are our offerings? What are the offerings that you're giving to the Lord in your life? How are we treating each other? All kinds of stuff there. The Lord is going to speak to you through this. Verse 10. If only there were one among you who would shut the gates so that you would not kindle fire on my altar for nothing. Nor will I accept an offering from your hand. The Lord really spoke to me in this. I'm just going to tell you what he spoke to me. It might be different for you. Verse 10. If only there were one among you. So he's implying that there's none. He's talking to the priests here. If only there were one among you who would shut the gates so that you would not kindle fire on my altar for nothing. So obviously these people are bringing, you know, not their first, their unblemished sacrifice. They're bringing their trash. They wouldn't bring their trash to the governor, but they'll bring it to God. And the Lord is pleading, if only one of my priests would shut the doors, lock that temple up, don't let them in. Say, that is not good for the Lord. That is not pleasing. That does not edify. I have been put in this position in some ways. And... Don't hear anything I'm not saying. I don't call myself pastor. I don't call myself anything. It wouldn't matter what I call myself. It's only what the Lord says about me. But sometimes I have to shut that gate. 
and I'm learning this now. I wish I'd learned it a long time ago. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of armies, nor will I accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name shall be great among the nations. And in every place frankincense is going to be offered to my name. And a grain offering that is pure, for my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of armies. I, I just want to mention to you here again that this prophecy was for that specific time, but this prophecy is also for the future. It's for our time and for the time to come. And you can tell that right away because his name is not great among the nations right now. But he's saying it will be. I believe that he is speaking of his second coming here. Verse 12. But you are profaning it by your saying, the table of the Lord is defiled. And as for its fruit, its food is to be despised. You also say, see how tiresome it is? And you view it as trivial, says the Lord of armies. And you bring back, bring what was taken by robbery and what is lame or sick. So you bring the offering. Should I accept it from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it, but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of armies. And my name is feared among the nations. <clears throat> and now this commandment is for you, the priests. If you do not listen, and if you do not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of armies, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. And indeed, I have cursed them already because you are not taking it to heart.
I want you to hear what the Lord is saying to you. When you offer yourself up for the Lord, is it a weary thing to do? Uh, I know singing prayer poor is happening, but man, I'm just not into it. I'm going to go because I should. Or, you know, I, I know I was going to, I said I would help that person, but man, you know, life sucks. What the Lord is saying here in the new covenant perspective where we live is are you serving him with cheerfulness? And if you're not, you're cursing yourself. Remember, God, the way God's kingdom operates, this is crucial for you to understand, is sowing and reaping. That's not just in money. What you sow in is what you're going to reap out. That is God's laws. That's what God, that's how God governs. It's up to you. The closer, the more you press into Jesus, the more he will press back to you. Verse three in chapter two. Behold, I'm going to rebuke your descendants. And I will spread dung on their on your faces, the dung of your feasts, and you will be taken away with it. Then you will know that I have sent this commandment to you, so that my covenant may continue with Levi, says the Lord of armies. Levi were the priests that were set apart. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him as an object of reverence. So he revered me and I and was in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and justice, and he turned many back from wrongdoing. For the lips of a priest should maintain knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of armies. But as for you, you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by the instruction you have ruined the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of armies. So I also have made you despised and of low reputation in the view of all the people, since you are not keeping my ways, but you are showing partiality in my instruction. 
So this is for this whole section. When it's basically the title of the section is priests to be disciplined, leaders, those with the loudest mouths, those who proclaim the loudest and do hurtful things in other ways. And when I mean hurtful ways, what the Lord is concerned about is not that you have some incorrect stuff in your life, but when you hurt the body of Christ. Verse 10. Do we not have one Father? Is it not one God who created us? Why do we deal treacherously against his brother? so as to profane the covenant of our fathers. Judah has been dealt treacherously, and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves. And he has married the daughter of a foreign god. As for the man who does this, may the Lord eliminate from the tents of Jacob everyone who is awake and answers or is present and offering to the Lord of armies. We cannot, we should not be yoked to the unbeliever. If you were single and you were a Christian, you should not marry someone who is not a believer. You might have love, you might have lust. but do not expect to change them. And God wants us to be yoked together for the strengthening of the body. <laughs> Quite honestly, it's just the, it's the best situation. You, if you're a Christian, you should not have a non-Christian business partner. And by the way, this is something I struggle with because quite honestly, I think sometimes having a non-Christian business partner is a better business partner than a Christian. But yet the Lord really says not to do that. And when he says an abomination has been committed in Israel, remember, we are Israel. We are kings and priests. We are Israel now, that the Gentiles have been brought into the new covenant. I hope this is speaking something to you. Um, I know it sounds really harsh. Believe me, there's it starts, it starts off, I've loved you. And this is Father just giving 
instruction. And this was the last thing that God said to his people before the coming of his son the first time. I want to tell you that his son is coming a second time, and it certainly seems like it's coming sooner than we think. <laughs> and a lot of this, you know what, I'll, I'll finish this part and then I'm going to tell you uh, an overall thing that I got from God on this. And this is another thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears with weeping and sighing because he no longer gives attention to the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth, against whom you have dealt treacherously though she is your marriage companion and your wife by covenant. But not one has done so has a remnant of spirit. And why the one? He was seeking a godly offspring. Be careful then about your spirit and see that none of your deals treacherously against the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel, and with whom he covers his garment with violence, the Lord says the Lord of armies. So be careful about your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Now, on face value, you might think this is just talking about marriage and having a family. But don't forget, we're looking at this with a New Testament lens. Who is the bride? We are the bride. But yet there's weeping and crying. Oh, it's not fair to me. Oh, it's not fair. My heart cries out and your heart is crying out when you're te tearing up and weeping to the Lord. You know what? Your heart is your flesh. Often we say, you know, trust your heart. No, no, no. Trust your gut. That's where God's speaking. Your heart can be very deceitful. That's your flesh. Just think of your youth, how your heart went out to someone of the opposite sex. And it most likely wasn't the feeling that you're going to spend the rest of your life with them. For some of you, it was. Praise God for that. But for most of us, or for many of us anyways... It was lust. 
So the things of the heart can be deceiving. And the Lord gets weary of it. Verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet you say, how have I wearied him? In that you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or where is the God of justice? Man, isn't that the truth of today? How unfair it seems when we look at the world. And the so-called deletes have everything. Billions, unsurmountable amounts of money. And yet we struggle. Humble servants of God. I gotta tell you, that's a much better place to be. A much better place to depend on God for your substance to be thankful for his provision instead of, I did it my way. So we cry out, where is your justice? And it's fine to do that, by the way. But where's your heart in it? <laughs> is it, woe is me? They have everything, I have nothing. Or is it, Lord, where is your justice? Show your righteousness in this, God. Show what a mighty God you are, because I believe. Where's it coming from? Chapter 3. Behold, I am sending my messenger, and he will clear away before me. And the Lord, whom you are seeking, will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of armies. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like the launderer's soap. And he will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that they may be present to the Lord of offerings in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of former years. 
Then I will come near to you for judgment, and I will be a swift witness against sorcerers, the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, those who oppress the wage earner in his wages, or the widow or the orphan, and those who turn away the stranger from justice and do not fear me, says the Lord of armies. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, the sons of Jacob, have not come to an end. So we go from, woe is me, it's not fair, to the Lord is coming and you're going to be purified. You're going to stand, there is no end to you. Justice is coming. And God is true and faithful to you. When you press into him, he presses back to you. And he will overflow you. He is more of a giver than a taker. That might be the most under... Uh, that's the, there's no way to describe how the understatement of the year with that. But he is far more a giver than a taker. Finishing up. Actually, I've just, I'm just going to do this one verse seven, and then I'm going to make some comments. From the days of your fathers, you have turned away from my statutes and not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of armies. So there's an overwhelming theme that I see in all of this. Just, you want to look at everything we've said, the Lord has said right now through a new covenant lens. Knowing who we are in Christ, we are kings and priests of the, and the bride of the Most High. By the way, in Melchizedek, that goes on in perpetual. It's forever. It's forever. And that really is the key here. And this weariness, this just going to offer sacrifice because I'm supposed to, this is being religious versus being faithful. Religious, you're doing it out of duty. Religious, you're doing it because you want people to see this. I'm doing ministry as a business. I'm, you know, 
Religion is nothing to do with God. Religion is the Tower of Babel. Religion is your feeble attempt to try to reach up to the Lord. To storm his gates. Faith is understanding that God came to me. Understanding that God is my provider. Understanding that the more I give, the more I sow, the more I reap. That's just, that's not just money. That's faith knowing that he is God and we are not. He may be invisible to you, but all of creation sings out to who God is. God is everywhere. God speaks every single day. God is omnipresent in your life. When you do anything before the Lord, know that you are standing in the presence of the Lord. He is to be feared. But yet, we live in his covenant of grace. He knows you are a sinner. He knows I'm a sinner. He doesn't like sin. But I am not losing my salvation because of my sin. The covenant that was made when I accepted Jesus and when you accepted Jesus, the covenant was made. And because of that covenant, you will sin less. So I'm not, no one is getting beaten here by God unless you're doing it on purpose. Unless you're operating in the wrong kingdom and a religious spirit is the wrong kingdom. Religion is the Antichrist system. Faith is God's system. Wow, I'm going to get through this. Praise the Lord. So I'm just going to start from seven again and then continue on. From the days of your fathers, you have turned away from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. Oh, the Lord is so good. Do you hear the graciousness? Even if you have been operating in a religious spirit, return to him. And he will return to you says the Lord of armies. But you say, how shall we return? God answers. Would anyone rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? 
in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the entire nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And put me to the test now in this, says the Lord of armies. If I do not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor will the vine in the field prove fruitless to you, says the Lord of armies. All the nations will call you blessed, and you will be a delight in the land. Now, oh, I'm really surprised. I thought as soon as I went into this part, at least 10 people were going to drop off. Oh, Jeff's going for the tithe thing. No, I'm not. But this is very important through the new covenant lens. But let's examine this. Is your offering only money? No. But in this case, it's tithes and offerings. Now, tithing is an old covenant principle and law. And it was, you know, it's was given through Moses and everything, but it was even before that because when we look at Melchizedek, Abraham, who was way before Moses, Abraham tithed till Mel, to Melchizedek who basically was a king and a priest, the first one that we know of with no beginning and no end. So this is about your offering to the Lord, sowing and reaping in the Lord. And the Lord says, we're robbing him. And what I'm saying through a New Testament lens is your lack of faith. And with a lack of faith in your tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you were robbing me, the entire nation of you. You know, there's something in the modern vernacular that's called a poverty mentality. I can't give because I'm too poor. Uh, I have nothing, so I have nothing to give. And yet we know Jesus gave the example, you know, for someone who gave their last dollar, it meant so much more than the rich man giving the 10%. It's actually not about the amount anymore. It's not. It used to be about the amount. I'll explain that in a minute. But it's not about the amount now. 
in sowing and reaping. Sowing is tithes and offerings. It's what you're sowing into the kingdom. I have nothing to give. Go serve. Can you give your time? Do you have time for a phone call to help edify someone who's hurting? But when we lack that, you're under a curse because the lit, the lit, if you don't sow into the kingdom, you're not going to reap from the kingdom. If you're not reaping from the kingdom, you're reaping what this world has for you. You're living under the Babylonian religious system of the world. You need to step out in faith. Now, in the old days, it said, bring your whole tithe into the storehouse. And literally, that was to support the priests. Because if money doesn't come into the storehouse, first of all, the church cannot be the charitable arm in the community, which it should be. It shouldn't be the government. It should be the church that helps people. That's how... You know, you can go bang, you know, preach the gospel to anyone, but you go to someone who's hurting and you bring them a meal and then you preach, they're most likely going to receive you where if you just, someone's starving, sitting on the side of the road, and you just start preaching hard. You're there because of your lack of faith. Get away from me is what they'd say to you. And also, if you didn't support back then, those priests, they would have to go and do other work. Listen, Paul, he had to do tent, he had to make tents. He had to do things to help support himself. He didn't want to be a burden on himself. But can you imagine if Paul was just completely provided for, maybe even more he would have given or any of those? In the New Testament way of looking at this, your tithes and offerings do go into a storehouse. And God does have a storehouse. I know the prosperity people have taken this out of context. I have studied this explicitly. And there are treasures in heaven. And you do have a heavenly bank account. It's just been bastardized by these people who teach an incorrect prosperity gospel. You see, when you move in faith and when you give into the kingdom, tithes and offerings, sowing into the kingdom, he does protect you. And all of a sudden, if you're in need, he supplies that need. He's the same God yesterday as he is today, as his word in this prophecy have spoken. But it's all about, do you do it in faith? Do you do it out of gratitude? Do you do it, you know, God loves a cheerful giver. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about your sowing into the kingdom. 
Do you sow negativity into the kingdom? Do you make everyone upset around you? Well, then you're cursed. But the good news is the Lord says, return to me and I'll return to you. Verse 13, your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said, it is pointless to serve God. And what benefit is for it, for us to have done what he has required? And that what we have walked in mourning before the Lord of armies. So now we call the arrogant blessed, not only the doers of wickedness build up, but they are also put God to the test and escape punishment. <clears throat> Do you hear the woe is me thing again? Do you hear the religious spirit, God coming against it here? He's pointing it out to you. Your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. You have say, we have spoken against you. You have said it. It is pointless to serve God. And what benefit is it for us? We've done what he required, but we have walked in mourning before the Lord of armies. So now we call the arrogant blessed because the wicked are prospering in this world. You know, the devil can prosper those who operate in his system. He is the prince of the air. But we are not called to operate in that system. We're called to operate in the kingdom system. When you gave your life to God, part of that covenant is the transference of kingdoms. You came out of Satan's kingdom. You are set apart in God's kingdom. And what God is saying to you here, believe it. Faith versus religion closing it out. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and listened attentively and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and esteem his name. And they will be mine, says the Lord of armies. I'm just going to read the verses again. Then those who feared the Lord, the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened attentively and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him. Those are the prayers of the saints who fear the Lord. The Lord remembers what they spoke because they esteemed his name. And they will be mine, says the Lord of armies. And on that day, I prepare my own possession and I will have compassion for them just as a man has compassion for his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one 
who does not serve him. For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and the arrogant and the evildoer will be chaff. And the day is coming, will set them ablaze, says the Lord of armies, so that it will leave them neither root nor branches. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and frolic like calves from the stall, and you will crush the wicked underfoot, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day I am preparing, says the Lord of armies. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, the statues and the ordinances which I commanded him in Horeb for all of Israel. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers so that I will not come and strike the land with complete destruction. So you can tell a lot of this is talking about his second coming. He talks about his first coming when he's ba he basically calls out John the Baptist. And then he talks about Jesus coming and then Jesus coming again. We need to operate in the kingdom system. Do you trust the Lord? Put stuff in the storehouse of God. Sow in and God, and you will reap overwhelmingly from God, not prosperity gospel. It's the things you don't notice. You're, the roof on your house might last another five years beyond what it was going to go. You might get more mileage out of your car. You might have better health. Just the more you sow in, the more of his grace you'll have on your life. And if you're sick or if you're facing an illness or something like that, you may suffer less through it. God may heal you. He may not heal you. God makes those decisions. But he will be good to you. And I hope that, uh, I don't hope, I know the Lord spoke to you somewhere in this message certainly has spoken to me through it. I haven't looked at the comments yet. I know we've gone a little bit long. I apologize for that. Um, remember, Singapore on Podbean. So download the app if you haven't. Oh, so Beverly asks, are you asking for tithes from us? 
No. No, tithing is an Old Testament principle. Can you still give 10%? Yes, it's all in your heart. But we don't do it out of obligation. God would rather you give 1% as a cheerful giver. And it doesn't have to be to me. I'm not telling you to give to me. That's up to you. Do you receive from me? What's in your heart? But no. And I hope that wasn't trying to stumble me because I'm clearly not begging you for money. I'm giving you a much bigger principle about the kingdom system versus the religious system. And this message was put on my heart, not from me, but from God. And I can say that to you with sincerity and integrity, having fear of the Lord in my life. Did you hear those warnings against the priests, the ones who speak his word? Would you think that I would read that aloud and then have a, another agenda in my heart? Boy, that would be bold. Probably see a lightning bolt take me out on air. God can still do that. Okay, well, I'm going to show. And by the way, I wasn't picking on that person with a comment. And uh, thank you for this comment as well, uh, Revolutionary Bliss. I didn't take it as asking for a tithe. Jeff took it as a lesson telling people to do with their heart, time, money, and love, whatever they can give. Well, amen. But yeah, no, this wasn't about me. Um, I am listener supported, but I only remind people, God provides for me. Sometimes he does it through you. Sometimes I have to go out and earn some extra money. But no matter where it comes from, God provides for me. And I'm actually able to go out and do some other stuff. The more God provides for me, maybe the more I can focus on this. But God pays for what he orders. And right now, he has not paid me to be a full-time minister, so I'm not a full-time minister. I do this full-time, but I have to do other things as well to survive. Because I have to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. <laughs> you know, Um that's just the way it is. That's just the truth. But listen, I just want to pray on the way out. Some of this sounded really harsh, like God's going to rub, you know, dung on your face. <laughs> you know, in other words, he's basically, if you're falsely working in the ministry, I didn't really cover that. Uh, he's going to expose you publicly and it's going to be a terrible thing. Look, I, I know sometimes I purposefully sin. I premeditate sin sometimes. Okay? You probably do too. You know, for, for me, and it could be a little thing. Look, I see a beautiful woman walking down the road or on a beach. I'm not responsible for the first time I see that beautiful woman. 
I can turn my head and focus my attention back on my wife. But sometimes, oh man, I got to look at that one more time. I got to, you know, I, I chose that sin. And I'm reminded of that. And so I'm very careful with that, by the way. And if, you, if you're a female and you're with me, you'll notice that I'm adamant about eye contact. I want you to know that my eyes are looking in your eyes, not looking down your top. Okay. I, I force myself that way. And, and also I will not be alone with a woman that is not my wife or my daughter in a room. I just won't be. There has to be someone else present. Um, I have to be very careful. I cannot give the accuser any leg room. And I suggest the same thing for you, whether you're a woman or a man. Um, we do not want to give a foothold to anywhere in this. So, Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your words of grace and your promise of your return, the promise of your goodness, the promise that as we press into you and we trust you more and we walk in greater faith, Lord, that we don't do it for your rewards. We do not do it. We do it because we are good and because you are greater. But we thank you that you even say that I that you will bless us for doing it. And we cannot outgive you, God. But Lord, we only want to give to you because we owe you everything. When you died on the cross, you made a way for each of us, your bride, to live for all of eternity, basking in your glory. You reveal to yourself, you reveal to us your true nature, your true glory, and you even sent yourself to abide in us. God, you are so good. And I don't want to hear what the world has to say because it's lies and deceit. But your word is faithful and true. And I praise the God most high because of it. And with that, I will keep your commandments by love your God, love your family, love your neighbor as yourself, and make a difference in your community.